Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. But our first speaker, Amari, come on up. This gentleman right here, he's stronger, stronger than 50 men right here. He graduated from Tennessee State University in mechanical engineering, and he's going to Illinois to get his PhD in mechan- researching in mechan- mechanical engineering, right? And so this brother is strong, he's smart, he loves Jesus, and he is going to give you a message. Let's give it up for Amari. Hello, everybody. Um, I am going to tell myself a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> when I was a kid, I was like a total Superman nerd. So um, I had like, like everything was Superman, like everything. My family is, is probably smiling in the back because they know this is true. And so <clears throat> one of the things that I noticed about Superman is that he's going to save him some Lois Lane. He will always save Lois Lane. And he, forget little Timmy across the street. He is going to save Lois Lane. And it's, it's, it's funny to think about it like that, but it's also interesting to think about it in terms of how God deals with us. When God gives us a yes, I'm coming for you, I'm coming to save you, you can stand on it. When God gives you a promise, it's real. The Bible says that God's promises are yes and amen. When God says yes, you can ground your foot on it and stand on it. We, our hearts rejoice when God says yes. But what do our hearts look like when God says no? What do our hearts look like when God says, no, that's not the job I want for you. That's not the relationship I have for you. Those aren't the people I want you hanging around. We're going to look at that today, just for a second. We're going to look at uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 35. I'll give you a minute to get there. Um, Here, Jesus is is interacting with two of his disciples, and we're going to see how the disciples respond when, when Jesus says no. And so looking at verse 35, I'm going to read it. And James and John, the sons of of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And and they said to him, Excuse me, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink, and the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be be baptized. But to sit in my right hand or to my left is not mine to grant. It is for whom those it has been prepared. So it's hard to hear God's no sometimes. We've all been there. It's hard to hear God's no. But let's look at why God might tell us no. In the case of the sons of Zebedee, it might be because our hearts are in the wrong place. Here, the sons of Zebedee are looking for positions of power and influence. And so when, if you keep reading, actually, you'll see that their intentions are a little, little shady because we see that they pull Jesus aside and we get to look at the reaction of the other disciples when they find out what, Je- what they asked of Jesus. You also see earlier, you know, he's, the, the, uh, the sons of Zebedee ask, do whatever we tell, do, us, do to us whatever we ask of you. They kind of ask for a blank check, which is not how we really should go to God when it comes to 
what we want. And so God has every right to say no. So let's look, let's, let's, as we go on, let's think about maybe our hearts are in the wrong place. Another reason that it might be that God says no is that maybe you're not ready. When I was uh, in elementary school, I had a whole like plane phase, like everything that flew, I was with it. Um, I went so far as to get like some wooden dowels and some trash bags and then make some wings <laughs> and then pretend to act surprised when mama wouldn't let me jump off the roof with them. <laughs> so even with my love of planes, you know, would you let eight-year-old me drive or fly you from New York to LA? No, you wouldn't because you're wise. I was not ready. I didn't have the training. I still don't have the training. As much as I've learned from engineering, don't put me in a cockpit of a plane. It's not going to go well because <laughs> I'm not ready. Even when, um, when Abraham was set to have his first child, God said, I will give you the child. I will give you the promised child. But he decided to take the timing into his own hands. That's when you get Ishmael and Hagar and things get wonky. So it may just be that the timing is not quite right. Another reason that God might say no is that it's not part of the plan. And he has something different or better for you. In Acts chapter 16, we see when Paul goes to, he's trying to go to Bithynia. I think is how, how it's pronounced. He's trying to go and Holy Spirit forbids it. And we don't know why. We're never given a reason why. All we know is that Holy Spirit said no. But because Paul listened and because Paul heard the no and accepted it, Lydia, all her family, the woman who had the issue of divination, the, when, when Paul and Silas were, were um, imprisoned, the prison guard and all his family, they all got saved because Paul heard the no and was okay with it. So it may, these, may, these may be some of the things that, well, the reasons that God says no, and that's okay. But even though it's hard to hear God's no sometimes, I'd like, to remember, I'd like you to, to, for you to remember one thing. God's greatest no is hidden in your salvation. Amari, what are you talking about? God saw the chasm that separated him from his creation. He saw the sin. He saw the addiction. He saw the lust. He saw the lies. He saw the anger. He saw the rage. He saw the gossip. He saw all of it. And when he looked at me, he saw the angry little boy trying to do it all on his own. But God said, no, not my son. When he looked at you, he said, no, not my creation. When he saw the damnation that was due us, the justice that was due us, he said, no, not my creation. Not my people. Not my son, not my daughter. And so he wrapped himself in flesh and he came down to this broken, sad world and put himself through imaginable pain, unimaginable pain. to take away the sin that we put on ourselves. So even though it's hard to hear God's no now, remember that he says no now so that when, so that when your time on this earth is done and when you reach those pearly gates, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Yes, you can come. Praise God. Praise him. You made me cry, doggone it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Man, that gets me excited. What a great word. Thank you, Amari, for sharing that with us. 
we did have a time when we were at a retreat. We had all the students prepare messages and had them evaluate each other just to kind of help train them and prepare them and activate them uh, to, uh, for wherever they go, whether if it's full-time in a ministry, workplace, wherever it might be. So our next amazing person that we're so excited to hear from is Amelia. Come on up here. I always forget her. She graduated from Austin Peay State University. Anybody from Austin Peay, Clarksville, Hopkinsville, Hoptown? So Amelia, uh, she graduated from there. What is it, psychology? No. Wait, political, political What am I thinking? Sorry, I saw the P and I thought psychology. She graduated from uh, bachelor's, of science in, uh, bachelor's of Science in Political Science, and she's getting her Master's of Science in Leadership and Organizational Administration. That was a lot of words. Sister smart, she's organized, she's passionate, she's very gifted, served in her church faithfully for many years. Let's give it up for Amelia. Hello, hello. I wanted to start off my message with a couple of questions. Hopefully get you thinking, get you in the right mindset. Um, have you ever, ever questioned something during your walk with God? Have you ever had a doubt? Have you ever read something, been shown something, God told you something, and it caused you to have serious pause? Wait a minute. This doesn't match up with what I know and what I believe. You've, you've had to question something. Have you ever had to wrestle with something? Throughout our life and our walk with God, we're going to learn a lot. As we learn, we're going to encounter difficult things. We're going to encounter things that cause us to have questions, that just cause us to say, hold on, I need more information. It's It's inevitable. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The phrase, working out your salvation, working it out, that kind of implies that we're going to encounter some bumps in the road. The Lord knows our human minds are kind of small. He knows that our human minds and our human understanding is going to have a little bit of difficulty comprehending his love, his mercy, his grace, eternity. Just pick something in the Bible and we're probably going to have trouble understanding it. He knows that we're going to have difficulty grasping the things of him. Uh, when I started college at Austin P, my original plan was pre-law. I was interested in the law. I loved the idea of fighting for justice, of being an advocate for others, so I pursued that, I pursued that path. I was a political science major, pre-law minor. And uh, as I got further into it, as I got further down that path, I started to realize I was not liking it as much as I planned I was going to. As I got closer to the admission deadlines to take the LSAT or in law school admissions, I had to pick somewhere to go, I felt no peace. All I felt was this immense anxiety that I was going to have to potentially continue down this path that I was on. So I went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth some more over whether I should just keep going down this path of going to law school, that's what I was already doing, made the most sense, or should I put it away? What should I do? I 
was afraid to make the wrong decision. So I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I finally made the really hard decision that I wasn't gonna go to law school. And when I made the decision, I felt instant peace. But then I had another issue. What was I gonna do instead? I had just wrestled through that, now I had to wrestle through something else. And as I went through that season, uh, the Lord kind of revealed, looking back, three kind of keys that helped me wrestle through it well. So three things to see if you're wrestling well, kind of keys to walk through that. Number one, wrestle honestly. Do not deny that you have questions or doubt. Don't lie to yourself like that. <laughs> questions are okay, and they are often the only doorway to revelation. We need the Lord's direction for our minds and for our plans. The only way to learn and to grow is to admit, I need to learn and to grow. He knows we need his help. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. When we're honest with God and about the questions that we have, he's more than ready to provide us with answers and direction. It's his joy to reveal what we're searching for. Be honest about your needs, so wrestle honestly. Number two, don't wrestle alone. Wrestle with others. Now, it's not me telling you pick a pastor challenge to go 20 in the parking lot. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying wrestle with things in healthy community. Take your questions, your doubts, because those can be places of real vulnerability. Take them to people who know where to and to who to point you to. Bring it to people who have been where you're at and have come out on the other side. Take your wrestling to someone who has already received the victory that you're going after. Proverbs 24, six says, for by wise guidance, you can wage your war. In the abundance of counselors, there is victory. It's important to express your wrestle, your wrestle, to people who will point you to truth and ultimately back to the person who's gonna give you the answer. Never wrestle alone, always be in community. Iron sharpens iron. I have never felt that statement more than going through Activate the Summer. I hold a bunch of brand new brothers and sisters that have sharpened me when I didn't want to be sharpened and when I wanted to be sharpened. It's community is important. Number three, finally, wrestle towards God. Questions are not meant to say questions forever. God doesn't give us this mind just to speculate. Questions are meant to grow us closer to God, but also to grow us up in God. Questions are not meant to say questions forever. The only way to mature as a believer is to wrestle through those doubts and come out on the other side confidently knowing what you know. Again, asking questions is the only way that you're gonna learn anything. And he's more than willing to reveal that side of him. James 4, 8 says, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Because God is a good father, he's not only gonna reveal what you need to know to be victorious, but he's gonna reveal a whole new perspective of him that you would not have gotten unless you submitted your need to him. So as I went through my postgrad plans, 
I wrestled with what I thought God's plan was for my life. I thought it was law school. I knew I needed his help to get through the confusion of one of the biggest decisions of my life. When I was seeking the Lord about my post-grad plans, I was honest about my need. I confessed I didn't know what I was doing, and I confessed that it really scared me that I didn't have a plan. And I didn't deny my worry or my fear for not having a plan before him. I was honest about my wrestle. I didn't keep my wrestle to myself. I brought it before all the leaders in my life. I talked my campus pastor's ears off. I talked my parents' ears off because I knew I needed to be around people who were going to point me back in the direction of how to pray and how to discern God's will for my life. And finally, I grew in my understanding of what it means to let the Lord direct my steps. Though wrestling through a healthy way, it prompted me to trust the Lord more. He did reveal his plans regarding my post-grad education, and I'm going to be walking them out this fall. But only because I submitted that need to him. If I could leave you with one thing, it would be... Don't be afraid to submit your vulnerability to God because only in that place of vulnerability, only in that place of wrestling, that's where God's going to reveal the side that you need to see him the most. Thank you. Come on, let's give it up for Amelia. You can take that mic down. Praise him, give me a hug. Hey, Amelia, 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 Amelia. Praise God. Great word. Um, one, of the th- a thing that, one of the things that brings me so much joy is seeing Christ transform lives. You know, to see it happen before my eyes. To see when they first walked in, sat at orientation class up in room 203, and just to hear all the things that we did and to see they didn't know, they, they, we told them what to expect, but they didn't realize it until they actually went through it. But just to see the freedom that came to actually see the freedom and to see the destiny and see God awaken things in their lives and, and realize some of the calls and some of the giftings that God has put in them. So I'm gonna kind of wrap this up and a challenge to them and a challenge to all of you. I'm going, the title of my message is Priming the Pump. And so hopefully this will encourage you. If you guys didn't know, there's an organization called Life Water International. And it's a Christian organization that actually goes into indigenous tribes and villages, and they help bring safe, clean water to these places. And if, when safe, clean water comes to a village, it literally transforms the village. Do you understand? Because many of them, they don't have access to that. So they struggle with disease and sickness, and many die very early. So they come in there, and they teach, they train them, they dig these wells, and they install these pumps. And then what happens is once they're installed, someone gets up early in the morning and they go out to these pumps and they start to prime the pump. So they'll walk out there. You know, the whole village depends upon this water and they start priming the pump. Priming the pump. And if you guys have ever done that before, it's not easy, especially some of these pumps that are out there. And they're priming the pump. You know, they're going for a minute, two minutes, whatever it might be, and their arms are getting tired and they're getting sore, they're thirsty, they're hot, but they got to prime the pump. So they keep priming the pump, priming the pump. And they don't know if the water's 25 feet away, 50 feet away, 100 feet away. They don't know. But if they stop, the water goes back down. So they got to prime the pump. 
They got to keep priming the pump. They're tired. People are depending upon them. But then finally, the water reaches and the water comes out of the spigot. And literally a five-year-old child can actually go up to that pump and pump water, pump life for the village. And I just want to encourage you that God wants to prime your life. You students, this is your initial. This is not just the final. This is the start. This is the beginning of what God's going to be doing, of priming your life. And I looked up the definition, prime. It says, first in excellence, quality or value. To make ready or prepare. To become prepared for future action or operation. Come on, what a great example. To prime your life. See, listen, none of us are exempt. God has a call on each one of you. Do you believe that? You may not believe it, but I'm telling you it's a promise. He's got a call on each of your lives. And he's given us many tools. But what happens in life is we get caught up in the circumstances. It's too hard. I can't. I'm not qualified. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not tall enough. That's me. Everybody always said, hey, you're, too, you're short, Jerry. Jerry, stand up. You know, I'm standing up, dang it. But... That, that many times we get caught in, I just don't know. I don't have the skills and, and an excuse after excuse, circumstance after circumstance, and we fall on that. But if God can use a donkey, if he could use a rock, if he could use a little old half Korean Jerry Turney, who was one of the most insecure people on the planet growing up. My mother, if she believed in anything, was Buddhism. My father, drinking drugs, went to prison for 10 years. I had a lot of excuses not to love God, not to, not to run after God. But if God could use me, of all people, that didn't even like getting up in front of people, I, I ran away from it, that I could be up here today to share with you, to lead a program like this, he could use you. And if you're thinking that he can't, that is a lie from the pit of hell. All right? And I just want, I'm, ho- I'm praying that your mind, your heart will be awakened, even tonight. So I got three things. Because as I said, there's three things, whatever. Three things to kind of help you how to keep your life primed. Okay? To where you could walk in the fullness of God, where life, where love, where joy, where peace flows out of you, not just for you, but for those around you, right? He didn't call us to this planet just to exist or just to barely get by or just to live a comfortable life. He's called us all to go. Amen? First one here is be persistent. Be persistent. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Here, this is Paul. Everybody know who, who, who Paul is, right? Very wealthy, very educated. I mean, I mean, he was, his MO was to take out Christians. He would make every Christian's life miserable. He literally wanted to kill them. And he did a good job making every one of them miserable. But what happened? God knocked him off the horse. Saul, who became Paul, right? Knocked him off the horse, met him. His life transformed, and he took that fervor, that passion, that commitment that he had against Christians to spreading the gospel, to writing this Bible, to making a difference, right? So here, Philippians 3.12 says, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider what I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining towards what lies ahead, Philippians 3. So basically, just I want to encourage you to be persistent. You have to press on against adversity, against difficult moments, against challenging moments, students. You know, everyone in your life where you work, you're going to have tough moments. How many know that? Life is hard. Living a Christian life is hard, right? 
The devil, the media, whatever it is, is trying to distract us and discourage us. Anybody ever heard of the Wright brothers? Right? Invented the first plane flight? So they, they had a vision and a passion to invent the plane, to, to have to fly, for humans to be able to fly. And at that time, they, when they told people, they thought they were crazy. You're stupid. That's impossible. That's for the birds, literally. You know? It's like, that's not going to happen. But they kept trying. They kept, you know, building things. They, and you know how many times they failed? A bunch. A lot. But what did they do? They picked up, they learned, they moved forward. They picked up, they learned, they moved forward. They picked up, they learned, they moved forward. They pressed on against what culture was telling them. And so finally, 1902, they invented the first glider. In 1903, the first plane flew. And now today, it is one of our primary means of transportation to get around the world. What do they do? They set the standard. They transform culture. They prime the pump. They set the standard, they transform culture, they prime the pump. God wants you to set the standard, wherever it is in your workplace, whether it's walking in integrity, honor, gentleness, love, serving, being compassionate. Someone else is angry, what are you going to be? You're going to be, you're going to walk in the lovingness, in kindness, and gentleness. What is the world telling us to do? They're telling us to divide, right? They're telling us you can't associate, but you, Christians, Men and women of God, God's got a call on your life to set the standard, to transform culture, to prime the pump. Second one. First one's be persistent. Second one's be teachable. Be teachable. You heard even some of them uh, uh, allude to. Proverbs 15, 22 says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Without, or here, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Another place it says, there's wisdom and a counsel of many. God did not call us to walk alone. You know that? What's one of the devil's main plans? Isolation, to divide. He's come to steal, kill, destroy. Whatever, if he can get you standing off on your own, hey, I don't need anybody else. It's just me, me and Jesus. That's all we need. Yeah, you need Jesus, but God's called you to walk with others. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's easy to say, but I'm telling you, you embrace that. The value of walking with people, iron sharpening iron, spurring each other on a Christ, I'm guaranteed it'll change your life. Another example, Roger Bannister. You guys heard of Roger Bannister? First man to break the four-minute mile. And that's being able to run a mile in less than four minutes. Okay? Roger Bannister, he ran the nine years before 1954 is when that happened. There was a a, a group of runners. They wanted to break this four-minute mile. And it would be four minutes, 15 seconds, four minutes, 12 seconds, four minutes, eight seconds, four minutes, four seconds, four minutes, two seconds. And culture said it's impossible. It is impossible for a human being to break the four-minute mile. It's just not going to happen. But Roger Bannister said, I'm going to do it. And so he trained. He sought counsel. He, he, He learned different techniques, what to eat when to eat, you know, what elevations to run. He researched, he trained, and in 1954, he broke the four-minute mile. Three minutes, 59.4 seconds. Broke it. Two months later, the four-minute mile was broken again. Literally today, almost multiple times a day, the four-minute mile is broken. He set the standard. He transformed culture. He primed the pump. He set the standard, he transformed culture, he primed the pump. David and Goliath, 
You've heard of David, right? I'm just giving you some examples because I'm telling you God's got a call on your life. Here is David, least likely to succeed if you put a label in his life, right? His father didn't seem to be proud of him. He, had his, he was more proud of his brothers. But what was David doing? He was serving. He was tending to the sheep. He was taking cheese and whatever to, the, to, the, the, to those on the front lines or in war. And forget about the lion and the bear that he killed with his bare hands. But he didn't flaunt that. Hey, what, what about me? What about me? Hey, I did this. He wasn't arrogant. He was humble. He served. He was gentle. He was loving. He was kind. He put others before himself. And then what happened? Goliath came. He slew Goliath. And it says, not only did he slew Goliath, many followed him and many slew giants after him. He set the standard. He transformed culture. He primed the pump. Last one, and I'll wrap this up. Third one is to be sold out. Be sold out. In other words, I want to encourage you, every one of you, to dive in, to immerse yourself in the word of God, in the presence of God, around the believers, the family of God. They, they dove in. They immersed themselves for nine weeks, and it was fun and exciting, and it was challenging at times. But praise God, we go through, if, if we didn't have any difficult moments in our life, what kind of faith would we need, Right? My wife and I, we've had some challenging times in our marriage, but it's made us stronger. You know, I always tell this, I was in love with her when I met her, and I'm more in love with my wife today than when I first met her. And we've been through some hard times. And there's times I have not liked her and times she's not liked me. I know that's hard to believe. We're like a perfect couple, right? <laughs> but we went through it. We can't, I mean, hard times. We've lost babies together. We've lost family members. I mean, it's, it's been tough times, but I can't imagine life without her. And it's because we wrestled together, as she, as Amelia was talking about. We, we, we worked through things together. So Romans 12, 1, is it right there? I appeal to, you, appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the miracle of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. No, no, that's not it. Romans 12, 1. Is that it? Verse 2. of 12-2. Yeah, you're right. 12-2. Give me the next one. Anybody know it by heart? Okay, someone right there. Let me hear it. Man right there. Say it. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. So when it says not to be trans, not, 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 not to conform to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm not talking about being weird, okay? I'm not talking about being some religious robot. Oh my gosh, I can't do anything. I can't go to, to this store or that store. I can't talk to this person, right? Don't be weird. You know, it's not about boycotting fun. It's not about, hey, you've just signed your life to board, you, uh, you know, you've committed your life to boredom. No, is, I mean, I tell you, there's no better place to be than in the middle of God's will. But God is looking for people that are real and genuine. Like people, people are tired of religion. They want, they want to meet people that are real and genuine and authentic. And you know what the pattern of this world is? Me, me, me. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. Okay, it's me, and uh, hey, don't tell me what to do, especially in society. Hey, no, do, do whatever feels right. You know, just, 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 just get along, you know? I mean, it's just, just a lie that's, that from the devil right there. 
But see, God wants all of your heart. He wants all of your heart. And I'm encouraging you today is to dive in, to immerse yourself. Even if you're not going through a nine-week internship, we've got BSD. We've got BLI. We've got small groups and life group, you know, that we call life groups that you can get in and walk with people and let iron sharpen iron. Grow with people. Let people challenge you. Let people encourage you. You know, especially men. Men, Many times we don't want to let people know that we're struggling, you know, that we're hurting. But to me, a real man admits the fact that they can't do it on their own. That's a real man, that they need help. Can I get an amen from the man? Amen. (laughs) So God wants all your heart, your ambitions, your goals, your desires, your relationships, even as Amari was alluding to. What if he says no to things? God wants it all. We serve a jealous God. We serve a loving God that believes in you more than you believe in yourself. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you today. Thank you for those that are here. And I thank, I thank you that everyone here is not here by accident. There is a call on their life. And it's, and it's to make a difference. It's to be your hands and feet on this planet. And there has been an enemy that's been lying, thinking that they don't, the, making some people believe they have nothing to offer. They have nothing to benefit anybody else. I rebuke those lies right now in Jesus' name. And God, I pray that your love would surround them. Your love would fill them, even as Taylor was praying earlier, that your love, they would get a revelation of your love, knowing that if God be for us, who could possibly be against us? That greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. God, that your word says that you can do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. And God, I pray that you would awaken desires in our heart, a desire to run after you like never before, to, to get into your word, to embrace community, to, to, to find mentors and coaches that can help us grow in our lives, that can help challenge us and not let us get comfortable. God, please let us not get comfortable on this planet, but challenge us to go because there's so many people out there that are hurting, that are hungry, that need to hear your love, God, and you've called us to be the mouthpiece, to be the person to go to share your love. So Lord, I thank you. And I praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.